Hey everybody, welcome to The Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan, and today I have an interview with Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is a co-founder and a dating coach at The Art of Charm and a co-host at The Art of Charm podcast, all of which you can find at theartofcharm.com. With Jordan, we talk about how The Art of Charm is different from what pickup artists do, uh, how he got into podcasting and creating free content, how to build personal confidence, and how romantic movies create false expectations for people in their dating lives and relationships. But before we get into the interview, just a quick plug. If you are an Amazon shopper, instead of going right to the normal site, please get there by using thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. When you do so, you'll be helping us out because everything you purchase We'll get a little commission, a little piece, a little taste of that on the side. It's no additional cost to you. You're just helping us out in the process while you're doing the shopping that you always would. In addition to that, you can also get yourself a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime, which includes free shipping on all the Prime products, which is a ridiculous amount of stuff. It's going to be rare that you're going to find something that's not offered as a Prime product. And it also includes Prime streaming service. So all the TV... And the movies that they offer, they have like 10 new pilot episodes that they have up there that you can give feedback on and vote on. It's all very cool. I'm a huge Prime user myself. I love it. And if you want to get a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Prime. It's that simple. So here is the interview with Jordan Harbinger. Enjoy. I wanted to talk to you about a lot of different things, actually. Uh, I did listen to your podcast back when you had the pickup podcast. Right. And now you have uh, segued over to The Art of Charm is now the name. Right, right, exactly. Is that a rebranding? Yeah, we're getting rid of all the pickup stuff. And it's no coincidence that like the the month after, I mean, we only did that a few months ago. And I think, I mean, I think it was honestly in like November or December Yep. and we're on the front page of iTunes today and we've never been on the front page of iTunes. So that there's no coincidence there. Oh, wow. Do you think that's because of the brand name or do you think it's because it's just uh, considered a new podcast maybe? No, it's not considered new. They featured us because they're like, oh, we can finally, you know, put you on the front page because you don't have this shitty ass like PUA <laughs> crap. Because People think that we're those pickup guys and those guys are freaking retards. Like, so we don't want to be associated with them. So we were, you know, we were afraid of losing search traffic, but at the end of the day, we still get picked up by a lot of that stuff. And honestly, even if some of the weirder, more hardcore pickup guys don't listen to it, good riddance, in my opinion, you know, like let's get some normal folks listening. And we get a lot of normal folks who are like, I listened to your show despite the name and I'm so glad that I did. And I'm like, well, for every one person that writes that, and I wonder how many thousand people just never even give us a fair shake. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that makes total sense. I used to listen to it a lot. I, it's not because I, uh, I don't like the show or anything or else I wouldn't even be having you on. That doesn't make sense at all, but there's just so much stuff out there as far as free entertainment and free content and everything that you have to whittle down to whatever it is. But there was a, there was definitely a period where I was a few years ago through going through, kind of like a self-growth, like really explore, self-help, everything. I consumed everything that had to do with like self-growth. And I stumbled across your podcast and latched onto it. And actually, uh, a friend of mine too, Dave, he um, he absolutely loves you. And he was like, please tell Jordan that <laughs> I still listen to the show all the time. It is amazing. So I had to at least express that for him. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Ask him when he's coming to LA to do his boot camp. Oh, absolutely. I will. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I, I really liked about your show is you don't have this like manipulative attitude that the pickup community tends to, or at least the stigma that they get for it. And it's a very uh, take what works for you and leave what doesn't. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, thanks, man. I I appreciate it. It's you know, there's so much bad information out there with this pickup stuff that I just decided let's go straight up white hat because it works better anyway when done correctly. Sure. So, and you filter in better people in your life. So it's funny because there's still these guys coming up with new pickup crap and it's like, gosh, just get out of my industry. But you know what? I think <laughs> smart people see through a lot of that junk. It's just that it, it, there's a lot of noise in the channel is the only problem. Sure, sure. So what got you into this to begin with? Was there an incident in your life that said, okay, I need to start looking inward and in that inward process, is that what this all came out of? Sure. I mean, essentially, you know, I was 
didn't have the social life that I wanted. And also I was working on Wall Street or, or I had it rather, I had a, an internship in New York with a law firm. I wasn't full Wall Street yet. And the lawyer that was like my mentor or whatever, he was never around. So if one day I cornered him and we went for coffee and I was like, what's the deal? You make more money than everyone else and you're never here. How come like so-and-so partner has to be in the office at six p or, you know, Sunday at six to midnight and you're kind of just like never even around. And he's like, listen, man, all those schleps that run around making money, uh, sorry, all those schleps that run around <laughs> uh, town aren't making any money. You know, the guys that are in the office, they're sitting here doing nothing. They're not making any money, which isn't true. I mean, they're making like millions of dollars, but he's making more. And he's like, the real business is done at the cocktail party on the golf course and all this stuff. So he started telling me it's all about who you know and the networking skills. And I thought, okay, well, that's great because I hate filing briefs, yep. but I love hanging out and, and meeting new people and connecting with them. So you're trying to tell me right now that all this stuff, all this technical skill is secondary to my ability to connect with others and schmooze, like I'm in. So I decided to cultivate that as a lucrative skill set. And then of course it spills over to dating and relationships as well. Cause all Absolutely, that stuff is yeah. the same skill set. Absolutely. Um, was there like, what was your source when you decided, okay, if that's the way to go, how do you start gathering that knowledge to begin with? Or is it like, do you go to separate people? Do you go through just pure experimentation or what was that process like? Um, it's already, one of those situations where there was just no good info out there. And it was like, oh man, because I was really hoping for like, I'm going to read a couple books and get this down. And then I'd read books and I was like, this is great, but it was written in 1938 or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, like Dale <laughs> Carnegie's Win Friends and Influence People. Sure. And then there was other books that were just like unbelievably bad that were like, you, what you need to do is be a jerk and women love that or like, you know, and that kind of thing. And I thought, okay, there's, there's so many gems out there, but they're just buried under crap. Sure. And there, there's all these books on how to pick up chicks. And it's like, even the author doesn't clearly just doesn't understand very much about why this works. Mm -hmm. And he's just like throwing the baby in with the, out with the bathwater and bringing in a lot of crap that doesn't necessarily work that well. So I decided to sort of go through this with AJ, my co-host on the show and just like filter through all the garbage. And then we'd hear something that didn't make sense and we'd go out and try it. And we'd either get it to work better than the person who created it, or we'd be like, this doesn't work. Let's interview the person who created it. And then, you know, off air or sometimes on air, they'd be like, yeah, I don't really use that. It's just like a really clever, clever marketing hook. And we're like, okay. oh, so this is bullshit. <laughs> okay, next. And so we'd filter through all that crap. And then we'd get all this, this so-called juicy info and we'd deliver it to the audience. And the audience is like, wait a minute, I just bought in a set of eBooks for $197. And I just listened to one hour or three hours of your show and I got more info than that, That's that makes me angry. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, info marketers, they, they thrive on this scarcity. And it's like, if they really had a lot of value, they'd just give away their information. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I definitely found that with listening to your show too, is that I was reading a lot of and consuming a lot of stuff and, that, and getting it from you was a lot more concise, a lot more to the point. I didn't have to wade through as much to get the stuff that I wanted. Now, did the the podcast come uh, at the start, right at the beginning as you were getting to this too, or was that a decision that came later? No, we, we were doing the podcast because we thought it would be fun and because we were teaching guys locally at bars. And we were, and by teaching, we weren't like, we're dating coaches. We were like, yo, the reason that this works is because we're doing this and this and this, and here's all this body language stuff. And guys were like, man, I'll buy you drinks if you tell me about this. And so we would have this like cadre of dudes and they, we were just like drunk every night because we didn't pay for anything. And then we were like, wait, you know, everyone's like, write a book, write a book. And we're like, dude, we're not going to write a book. I'm a law student. AJ's a cancer biologist. We can't put our names on it even if we did have time sure, to write it. We're sure. already working 12 hours a day. So we just, it wasn't going to happen. So we thought, let's podcast about it. And even then we weren't like trying to be gurus. Like I said, we were just talking about stuff we were learning and observing and as it turned out, most of the people who were making their living off of selling this info had an even worse, like more vague slash cryptic understanding of the same concepts that we were talking about. And they certainly couldn't articulate it in the same way okay. because a lot of them didn't even have the same problems. They were just lying about it because they were internet marketers. Gotcha. And so we were found ourselves with this massive audience really fast. And then we started meeting these guys in person, these like so-called dating gurus and coaches. And we were just like, these guys are total schleps. Like there's no way that what they're saying is true. So we started hanging out with them and noticed that almost none of them walked the walk. And uh. it was just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And a lot of them were like, 
yeah, don't tell anyone, but I'm married and I have a kid. And I'm like, why would you not tell everybody that you're married and have a kid? Isn't that a success? And they're like, no, I'm supposed to be, you know, like a pickup artist. And I was like, dude, you got it backwards, man. You want people to think you're a pickup artist, even though you have a successful marriage and kids. But, but like, that makes no sense. That just shows me that your market is like a bunch of yahoos. So we decided to just be as honest and upfront as we could on our show at all times. Yep. And then talk about areas where we were screwing up and like things we didn't understand and then find experts to plug in the gaps. And that wasn't a marketing strategy. That just turned out to be a really freaking good idea because our audience would listen and be like, I have this question about, oh, and Jordan just asked it. Or yeah, you know, that's great, but I don't feel like I could do this. And the next thing out of my mouth is, I don't know, man, I don't feel like I could do this. And they're like, oh my God, you know, we're so much alike. Cause the, the idea of the show is that I am the audience as well as the host. Okay. And so like guys will, guys should not have to go. I didn't understand what you guys were talking about or I didn't, I don't feel like I can relate to you. You know, that's the email that I don't like to get. Luckily we get hundreds every day about how it's, that's not the case, you know, but whenever I get an email from somebody who's like, I can't see myself ever being in your shoes, I have to investigate, like, is it because of a confidence level thing or am I really just on planet Los Angeles right now and I blew it, you know? Yeah. And so I, I realized that a lot of guys who write sales copy and stuff for a living who sell their little ebook that's like, you will never have sex again unless you buy my product. <laughs> you know, those guys, they, they have no idea almost what their customer base is like other than scared people. And I don't want scared people. I want empowered people. Yep. So we decided to give away a lot of really awesome stuff on the show and make almost all of our information available for free. And even when we do sell things like eBooks, it's like, hey, listen, this took us a long time to create. Mm -hmm. It's full of information, some of which we don't share anywhere else, not because it's like top secret, but because it's shared in a way that required a lot of time for us to develop it and make it entertaining. And also, you know, you can, yeah, you could get it if you listen to like hundreds of episodes of the show, but it'd be great if you bought this as like a thank you. And then when guys are like, I need special help, we just go, okay, cool. We'll come to get coaching in LA. And that's not free because it's our time. Sure, sure. Right? So like we only charge for our time. We don't charge for our information per se. I will never be like, you know what? I won't tell you that unless you give me money. But if someone's like, can you help me with this? I'm like, listen, that's not a simple email answer. It's not even a simple phone call. It's going to take me hours to get to know you and figure out these problems. Now you're asking for my time and consulting. That's different than expertise. I, I'm on this show right now offering my expertise. I go and do free shows twice a week and that doesn't even count the media appearances like this one. Right, right. So like, you know, there's dozens of hours every week that I'm giving away free information and expertise and which is still time for that matter. But I, you know, if you want something tailored, then we'll charge for the time. And I, I personally think that's more than fair. Absolutely. And I assure you it's appreciated the, uh, the time that you are putting out to your fans and I'm sure they show it to you. You're seeing that on the other end as well. Oh yeah. It's pretty cool because you know, once well, geez, it's hard to tell. It's hard to even say which story I need to go into to illustrate this. But <laughs> yeah. basically, I can say, hey, guys, does anybody know about blah, blah, blah? And it's like there's a million responses. And they're like, oh, here's a free thing that does that or I'll do it for you. And, you know, I don't even expect that. Like sometimes I'll, I'll say something like, oh, how do I make this graphic smaller? And some professional graphic artist that like works for you know, an amazing design company. Like one guy worked for like Porsche design or something. Oh, he's wow. like, let me just put this into my multi-jillion dollar software and make <laughs> it look amazing. And then I'm like, oh, that worked fine. And he's like, here's another couple logos that you might like too. And he just created this stuff on his lunch hour and it was amazing. And it's in use today on the Art of Charm uh, pro programs and products and stuff like that. And, you know, I get stuff like that all the time. Like I had a guy's like, hey, if you ever need any audio help, let me know. And I was like, can you edit my show forever? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sure. So now I have a pro audio engineer. Oh my just God, like that's awesome. Up for me, that know? is so great. I love the community that podcasting is really kind of putting together. I mean, we we're a part of the same group on Facebook. Um, I've met a lot of other podcasters on that podcasting group, like uh, Caleb Bacon. I had on a little while ago. I know he's a friend of yours as well. And it, it's it's such an awesome community where we're all kind of like getting each other's back and supporting. And I love it. But um, to what you said about the time commitment. The you had said that you were working on Wall Street at the time and then you started doing the Art of Charm stuff on the side. And I am in a place myself personally where I love doing this stuff. I do have a full time job as well, and I would love to make that switch over. And I know it takes uh, a lot more than just saying I want to do that. But at what point did you feel that you could kind of leap off of Wall Street and into your own thing? 
I didn't have as much of a choice, honestly. Like the uh, market for what I was doing in the legal field was, which was real estate, was on the decline. I hated it, and I never wanted to be a lawyer, really. So it was just kind of like, eh, I'll do this for a while, and then dot 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 whatever. So that was not really a hard choice for me to make um, because they offered me a sweet severance package, and the Artitron was already rocking and rolling. Okay. Uh, so I figured, you, you know, and I didn't waste a lot of money. So I was like, listen, you know, worst case scenario, this goes boobs up and I need to figure out how to scrimp and save. But either way, I'm going to be fine for like eight months to a year. Sure. And so, I mean, it was a really easy jump, but uh, telling other people this, they're like, oh, the risk, I couldn't stomach the risk. I'd be so stressed. I just have this delusional level of confidence that I've gained <laughs> from putting myself in experiences that have never, that have sometimes gone wrong, but like never catastrophically. And sure. even when that happens, I'm able to recover from it. So I think what that has taught me is I trust myself so much to get shit done. And I really think that's one of the essences of confidence and resilience is being able to trust yourself. Like I've been kidnapped freaking twice. Do I really worry about quitting a job that I already don't like? Not really. I mean, I don't have rich parents or anything, but I'm not going to be homeless. I've, I've been a hustler for like my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I can get this shit together. I'm never going to be homeless. I'm never going to be hungry, you know? So I'm just like, you know what? Worst case scenario, I've got to hustle harder. But in the meantime, I'm doing something that I love and I'll just worry about it later. And a lot of times these things I'll have to worry about later, they never happen. They never manifest. So mm -hmm. it's like, hey, good thing I didn't spend a whole lot of time stressing out about that because it never happened. You know, and I, I actually posted a Facebook status and I've heard other people say this, so I can't take full credit, but I post something like, worrying really works. 97% of the stuff I worry about enough never even happens. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah. And it's true. It's like, if you, you have a choice, uh, and this is something we talk about at The Art of Charm, coaching-wise, you have a choice. You can... Worrying all that is, is projecting into the future and assuming a worst case scenario. So what happens if you project out in the future and you assume a best case scenario? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who are really good at worrying will be like, but then you don't have a backup plan. And I'm like, cool. How's the backup plan ever worked out for you? Really? Good call. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the meantime, in the 3% of cases that you do need to use it, half the time that plan doesn't even work. Yep. And a lot of time, and what you focus on grows anyway. And this isn't some metaphysical concept. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty realistic. So you're going to sit there and plan for something that you don't want to happen and you've got it all figured out. So what really happens then? That's what happens. You follow that plan. You plan for that. If you don't plan for it, and I'm not saying ignore and throw caution to the wind, but you got to at some level trust yourself and be like, you know what, this is going to be okay, even yeah. if it fails. My backup plan is, yeah, I might have to like, you know, scrimp and scrounge and hustle, but I'll figure it out then. In the meantime, here's this thing that I would really want to happen, then I'm going to plan for that. And it's not law of attraction or like any of this mysterious crap. It's just not worrying yourself into oblivion and making sure that you focus on what you want to happen. Sure. And, and that's happened in my life so much that I just can't ignore it anymore. And it's, not, again, it's not woo-woo. It's not something that's, like, shrouded in mysticism or an esoteric thing where, like, if I don't worry about it, it won't happen, and I focus on positive <laughs> things only. It's not that. It's really just stop planning for disasters and then sort of subtly encouraging those things to happen because that's what you're prepared for. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and you say that you are a confident person, which I can I can clearly hear. I mean, the way you speak and everything you present yourself as a confident person. Is that something you've always been or is that something you had to work hard to accomplish? Oh, man, dude. <laughs> <Where do I? laughs> Come on. Um, honestly, oh, I've worked so hard for that. Yeah, I, I can't even begin to tell you. Like when I was in school, younger, even in college, I was just like, I had social anxiety. I was quiet. I was, I had nice guy syndrome. I ruined relationships. I was a freaking drama queen. I skipped school. I was a bad kid. You know, there's so many things were not going right for me. And I realized at one point early on that one, I wasn't following my passions and two, that I had some sort of confidence issue. I just didn't know how to fix it. Okay. And some of that was chalked up to just being like awkward teenager. You sure, know? sure. Uh, but then after that, it was like, I'm really focusing on the wrong things. 
I'm not really showing myself to people because I was ignoring a lot of really positive things. For example, in college, I studied a lot and then I was like, oh, this sucks. Everybody in school sucks and only frat guys go to parties and get girls. Meanwhile, I'd go eat lunch in the cafeteria and people would be like, yo, Jordan, what's up, man? Good to see you. Hey, stop by my room sometime. Let's hang out, man. What are you doing this weekend? My, my house is having a party. Why don't you come by? And I was like, those guys are just being nice to me because they feel bad. And oh, it really geez. came down to mindset. Sure. Because those guys weren't being nice to me because they felt bad. When's the last time you felt really bad for somebody so you were nice to them? I mean, like maybe somebody who's like got one leg missing or something or like, you know, like a blind person, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, okay, yeah, sometimes you're nice to them because you feel like you have to be. And that's not to say you shouldn't be nice to them. I know that came out like super wrong. Like, screw you, blind people. <laughs> I hate you secretly. Right. That's not true. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, those people weren't doing that to be, they thought I was a cool kid, but I didn't think I was a cool kid. So I was like, disqualify myself, disqualify myself. Mm. And then once I started to fix those mindsets, that's when the real change began. But of course it was a, it was a blind process as well. No, no pun intended, because what I did was I, I tried to change my results by forcing it. And then eventually I was like, if I change my behavior, I get different results. So I'd be like, I'm going to be this like jerky guy or this really fun guy or whatever persona I was putting on that day. And it was like, okay, that dictated different results. But at the end of the day, it didn't really last because I wasn't changing my mindset. So once I figured mm. out that your mindsets are what dictate your behaviors, and of course your behaviors dictate your results, you can actually change all your results by changing your mindsets, which is of course easier said than done. But that's exactly what we do at The Art of Charm is help you change your mindsets. Sure. And doing so, do you think there's power in the fake it till you make it attitude? There is definitely some power in the fake it till you make it attitude. The only problem is that a lot of people are just like, I'm just going to fake it and then fake it some more and then fake it some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's yeah. nothing wrong with going up there and giving a speech and being like, I love public speaking, even though you're like about to wet yourself or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You know, fake it till you make it. Eventually, you're going to get so many positive results from public speaking. You're going to love it. You're going to look for opportunities to do it like I do. Um, but I used to hate it, too. But on the other hand, don't you don't want to fake things like happiness directly all the time. You've got to wonder what's causing things to not work out for you. Like if you have to fake confidence on a stage, do it. If you're faking happiness when really you're a sad person, you might want to get to the bottom. Of right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. And um, since we are the geek generation, we have a lot of uh, geeky listeners in the audience. One of the stereotypes of a geek is someone that might not have as much social confidence, whereas there is a small group of geeks that are maybe overconfident to what they should be. But if someone is on a, a lower confidence level or has a poorer self-image, is there almost like a baby step that you would recommend to kind of get on that path to building their confidence? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things that we say at the Art of Charm all the time is that the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. And that's sort of a fancy way of saying fake it till you make it slash mindsets dictate behavior, which dictate results. So you got to look at what you're doing right now and, and decide, okay, are you stagnant? Do you feel stagnant? Do you feel like you don't know what to do? Do you feel like you're not happy? I mean, if you're, if you're sitting inside and you're like, no, really, I like reading comic books on Friday night because I don't have anything else to do. Like Stu in the Big Bang Theory, the guy sure, who owns sure. the comic store. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy's not happy, right? Yeah. And that's like kind of what the joke's about. And you get like Howard who's like joking about how you go to Marie Calendar on a Friday night because and then cry yourself into a, a pie or something sure, like that. Sure. I mean, you know, you get those guys and, and I'm not saying that your listeners are like the guys in the Big Bang Theory anyway, um, but either way, if you're looking at something that's not making you happy, you got to sort of make a list of what you would change about yourself. Like who do you admire and what do you admire about them? Make a list, write it down. Don't think you're going to do it in your head because you're not. Just actually make the list and then go, oh, okay, well, this guy is you know, big and this is like a strong dude and he really, you know, has this like masculine traits. You got to figure out how to build those things. And we talk about that a lot on our podcast as well. Um, building trust in yourself, becoming more resilient, maybe changing your nutrition so that you feel better, changing your sleep so that you feel better, changing your body by going to the gym or picking up a sport or a hobby or something physical mm -hmm. that gets you, you know, that component of your personality as well as your physiology changed. Um, because again, remember the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. It's the sure, cycle. Sure. Absolutely. So you've got to take the baby step of finding out where your shortcomings are by making a list of maybe things that you admire about people that you don't have and then go and make a plan to seek those things out. And that's essentially what a lot of coaching is about. Mm -hmm. But the short version is, yeah, make that list. Because if you find out what you're, if you start to generate awareness of where you're falling short in your own mind, you can start to shore those up. 
And that's why guys start to build that resilience and trust themselves. Like, I know that I can run pretty far in a decent amount of time. I know that I can lift certain amounts of weight without like injuring myself. I'm by no means a strong man or anything, but I also know I can survive in another country and learn languages. I know that I can uh, do business. I know that I can sell people things. I know I can host a show. I know I can speak on stage. All these things that used to scare me are not scary anymore. And that has made me really, really confident. And you can systematically destroy those things. Sure. And I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you have to start throwing yourself into situations where something you find yourself as a weakness, find a way to do, I don't know, almost like grab the grab the shark, punch him in the face and see if he bites back type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm still terrified of sharks. Though. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I know one of the things I did on a, on a personal basis was I had uh, a lot of issues growing up with just physical contact. And if someone was in my personal space, I got really kind of uh, off putting about it or whatever. But one of the solutions that I took for that was I actually started training as a pro wrestler, which is I can't think of something that involves more contact than that. And one of the things that we learned as a pro wrestler is that when you go and you go to a show, the first thing you do is you go around to everybody in the room and you shake all their hands. If you miss someone, they have a beef with you. Like you can't, it's bad etiquette in pro wrestling to miss somebody. And then it gets up to the point where from handshakes, you get really familiar with people. Then you start hugging people. I was never hugging my friends before this point. And then after all that, it was like, oh, wow, I I went over that huge hurdle. And obviously not everyone's going to go train as a pro wrestler, but I'm sure there's uh, a myriad of things that they can do to get over whatever weakness they feel is a weakness. Absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a reason that people are who are confident seem to have all these different talents. And people say this stuff all the time. They're like, well, it's easy for you to be confident, man. You know, you like speak a lot of languages and you traveled a lot of places and da da da. And I'm like, do you think that I was confident before those things? What's wrong with you? It's like talk, <laughs> it's like talking to a guy who's like really really big at the gym and being like, well, of course you can lift all that weight. Look how big you are. It's like no one would ever say that right. because you know he worked out to get there. And yet people will look at somebody at the Art of Charm or me specifically because I can only speak from my own experience and go like, well, of course, it's easy for you to do that. And I'm like, dude, I built this skill set over the last 10 years. You think I was born this way? It makes right. me want to just punch them in the face because I'm just like, dude, I, if you could, I wish you'd met me 10 years ago. And the thing is, I talk to people that have known me for a really long time or I'll see them, you know, and it's been five, 10 years and they're like, dude, I don't even recognize you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different person. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not just physically. You probably carry yourself very differently too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable and it's changed the relationships with my family. It's changed the things that I obviously the things I do for work. It's changed my relationship with my friends all for the better. Of course, it's just really changed my whole life in every, every way. I can't understate that. It I seems like that. Um, it seems like then it. <laughs> it seems like the key to uh, accomplishing confidence then is in simplest terms maybe take something small, uh, complete it, and say, "Okay, I did that. So what's next?" Yeah, it's all about baby steps. You know, a lot of guys are like, "Cool, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds." and then get really good at martial arts by getting like a black belt and then I'm gonna learn Chinese. And then it's like, dude, you are setting yourself up for failure because now if you only learn Chinese, you failed at the other stuff. Or if you only, if you only lose 90 pounds, now you've failed, right? You haven't met your goal. Sure. So it's important to make baby steps. Like maybe instead of lose a hundred pounds, maybe you just start walking for 20 minutes a day outside Hmm. and don't worry about your weight, you know, or maybe you just start to manage what you eat and you don't even necessarily need to exercise or you start exercising a little bit and you manage what you eat. And if you need help, get a trainer, get a coach. You know, it's, it's so weird. If you're bad at math, you can get a tutor and everyone's like, yeah, good call getting a tutor. If you're bad with women, they're like, that's okay. You needed a dating coach. Get out of here, you idiot. (laughs) You know, or if you need a personal trainer, people are like, oh, cool. You know, that's fine. I can understand that. But it's like, guys will just go, no, I'm going to do it myself. My question is, well, how's that working out for you? As far as building the confidence, too, and uh, working on yourself physically and building that up and everything, I know another common uh, thing of geeks, and I suffer from this myself, is the overly analytical, uh, sorry, I can't even say it right because my brain's going before my mouth, is the overanalytical mind and the running of scenarios and calculating every possible outcome. And it can be debilitating. I think they call it over analysis paralysis, at least 
I do in a lot of situations. And it's kept me from taking certain risks because I'm analyzing and seeing all the possible negatives along with the positives. Is there a way to kind of like take that down a notch and really focus on the outcome instead of all the possible outcomes? Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because I didn't want to say anything because I'm on your show and the last thing you do on someone's show is be a dick to the host or, or even get perceived as being a dick to the host. <laughs> but I can tell by the way that you talk that you're in your head and it's not just you. I mean, I, I, I can tell with everybody and I actually teach this particular skill to different types of intelligence or different types of military, as well as just elite entrepreneurs or and sales guys sure. as well. You can tell when somebody's in their head. And the reason is because of certain speech patterns, the way they talk, the, the way that their thoughts are constructed. Interesting. Uh, and it's really, it's really harmful because intelligent people do this all the time. So it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's seen as a good habit. Like I consider everything before I take action. And yep. I'm like, great. Well, that's why you are really good at being a bean counter or whatever, <laughs> and not a good businessman or, or whatever, you know, or not good in relationships or whatever. And there's a lot to be said for considering and thinking things through. I think it's a great move most of the time, but there's also a really big problem with that. Namely, how the hell are you going to ever move forward? Because the difference is, man, when, when you think about something, when I think about something, and I've trained myself to do this, trust me, I'm the king of, I'm the, I've abdicated the, the crown of being in your head mm-hmm. uh, to, to other people, yourself included. <laughs> but I understand that when you're in your head, it's really easy to go, well, there, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this yep. could happen. And basically all it is is really intellectualized worrying. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it really is, absolutely. And, and I get that, but it took me years to realize this. And so like, what if you were really, and, and this isn't necessarily that much better, but let's do a thought exercise. What if you were really in your head and instead of thinking of all the things that could happen that were bad, what if you just thought of all the things that could happen that were good? In other words, all of the possibilities, people would go, Psh, you're just a dreamer, bro. That's stupid. Right. Like, get real, be realistic. You yeah. Know? Yeah. People and equate realism with negativity for some reason. They do. And the reason there's, there's this, it's funny. You should mention this because I just talked about this on a show, but it's called, um, you know what? Now I'm drawing a blank, but it's essentially, you're basically being like a, a, a troll, uh, for this type of thing when you do that. And a lot of times like a support troll and it can be uh, a hater who just goes, you know what, whatever, man, that's a dumb idea. No one's going to buy a dating coaching stuff. Guys aren't going to pay for that. That's stupid. You're wasting your time. You're going to look like an idiot. I heard plenty of that. And then you get people who love you and they're, they're kind of like support trolls where it's like my own mom would be like, don't be too disappointed if it doesn't work. Or, you know, maybe you should have a backup plan because you know, this, this, or I don't think guys are going to pay for that, honey. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm a fucking millionaire now. Right. No, <laughs> I didn't say that to my mom, but I, I kind of felt like it. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like the truth of the matter is they're not trying to be like, you know, my mom's not like, I hope he doesn't do this and become a wildly successful person. They, she's just like, I don't want him to fall on his face. Sure, sure. You know, because I raised him as a baby and I've seen him fall on his face and it's not pretty and it hurts me too. Right, right. So she's kind of being a support troll and you've got to balance that. You know, you've got to really balance that. And we do it to ourselves all the time and we go, oh man, that girl is so cute. Oh, but what if I walk over there and she's like, why are you talking to me? Or what if she's busy? Oh, you know what? She's totally busy. That's a really good excuse for me not to do anything. Yeah, I couldn't talk to her because she was with another guy and that guy's probably her boyfriend. So, you know, I'm out of luck. The universe hates me. Right. Instead, you could have just gone over. The best thing to do is just like not think about it because you can't stop your brain from trying to talk you out of things you don't want to do most of the time. You're really good at rationalizing. That's why we buy stuff and live there are merry girls that we hate um but like you know you can easily go over there and just ruin it or you could go over there and get married and live happily ever after and have really hot babies with some girl that you met right sure sure. you could that could happen too but that's not going through your head and if it is people are like knock it off you're stupid that's not going to happen yep so the best thing to do is not think about it and that's much easier said than done and requires a lot of habit forming and again something that we drill you on like crazy here at aoc 
Um, and we talk about it a lot on the show as well, but you really do need to turn that off. And it's, it's really hard. I mean, it's, it's like meditation hard mm. where you have to like block thoughts out and let them go through your head. It's really tough to do. But when you build the habit of just going for it anyway, yep. it is the most, one of the most amazing changes ever. And I'm not talking about just being radically impulsive all of the time. I'm not like, I just want to cross the street right now, even though it's a green light for the traffic. That's not, that's not being present. That's not being out of your head. That's, you know, suicidal tendencies. But if you know intellectually and you do that approaching a grill, probably not going to have disastrous consequences. There's no net benefit from thinking about it. True. Absolutely. Yeah. I but again, agree. easier said than done, right? Right. Easier said right. Than done. Like right. stop thinking. Okay. Wait a minute. I just thought about not doing it. Damn. I ruined it. Right. You know? And then it becomes so, like a loop. It's a habit. Yeah, it's habit. And it's just like, that's why it's like meditation where they're like, just focus on the breathing. And you're like, right, just focus on the breathing. Yeah, breathing. Like, you know, I'm just breathing and the air's going in my lungs. Wait a minute, I'm talking to myself. I'm not supposed to be talking to myself. I'm not having thoughts now. Oh, I'm doing this wrong. Wait a minute. I haven't been paying attention to the meditation. Wait, I'm talking to myself again. Stop doing that. You know, you just sound like an insane person in right. your own head. And that's why it's really hard because it, it is really hard to just focus on the breathing. And after you shut out all those thoughts, you notice that there's like even more stuff below the surface that you just couldn't hear because there was other crap on the top. And I think that's probably almost infinite until you reach like Buddha level shit, right? Yeah. But luckily for us, we don't have to reach full enlightenment to go talk to girls. <laughs> we just have to go, eh, 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 brain, I know you're going to say some shit, but- I'm ignoring you and I'm already walking over there. So I'm just going to stand in front of her and then be like, hello. And nothing after that has been planned. <laughs> and if I go over there and I say hello and she's like, hi. And then I stand there and I go, then that's better <laughs> than what I'm doing over here, which is sitting here with my D in my hand, right, eating a fucking right. burger or is whatever. At least goal accomplished in that case. Right. Maybe as an overanalyzer, I can just kind of overanalyze so much that it all becomes white noise and it just kind of falls below everything else. So I can actually move forward with something. I am curious, though, too, uh, when you said that you could tell from my speech patterns and stuff that I live in my head. It is something that I don't want to do to be uh, someone that lives in my own head and everything. I do want to be like more on level with I feel like everybody else. I have this weird perception that I'm the only one that lives in my head when I don't. But I'm totally open to being deconstructed, so don't worry about that. I'm very curious as to what you picked up from me that gave you those indications. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a complicated thing. And it wasn't that I was afraid of offending you. It's just that, like, if I go, hey, man, you're really in your head. Slow down. You're like, dude, this is my show. Eat rocks. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do that to somebody else. But some of the things I just picked on or picked up on were speech patterns, rate of speech. A lot of guys who are really in their head they they have either more deliberate speech or very Im, sort of impulsive speech or different types of it's really you know it's really hard for me to explain this particular concept okay. in words only but it has a lot to do with physiology too and the way that you are, that you carry your body affects the way that you talk as well gotcha. so if i could see you i would bet that i could understand what kind of body language you have as well and i i do this experiment that won't work now cuz i'm explaining it to you where i'll be like on the phone with somebody, for example, sure. and um, that I'm coaching, like a coaching client that I know decently, but maybe have never seen in person. And I can say, all right, right now you're probably doing this and you have a habit of doing X, Y, and Z. And it's all just physical characteristics. And they're like, dude, how did you know that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I can do it by the way that you talk. And just like, you know, you can tell if somebody's big or small or their self-esteem level by their speech. It's it's really, really detectable. It just takes a shitload of practice. Sure. So it's almost like a sixth sense at this point. Yeah, it's almost like a sixth sense. And that's why it's really handy. And that's why a lot of intelligence agents like special forces guys want it. Because it's like, oh my God, you can look at this and, you know, create this image of in this persona. It's almost like, I don't know anybody who does this, but I bet you it's a lot like profiling where they're like, hmm, this person does this and has this going on and looks like that. I bet you that this guy is a blah, blah, blah. And it's like Hannibal Lecter was really good at it, which doesn't make me look good right now. But, right. <laughs> you know, people people on TV and in movies and those profilers and stuff and like the FBI, like psychological people that are just baller at this. Yeah. I bet you, in fact, I should get one of them on the show. They probably are amazeballs at making connections between behaviors and patterns and things like that and like people's appearance and occupation and 
all that stuff. I mean, people do that, right? These forensic, sure. I think it's called forensic psychology. Mm-hmm. And it's just unbelievably amazing. So I don't think it's a sixth sense for real. I think I just accidentally have picked up on some psychology that has been run through a million times by people in certain professions, but I just apply it completely differently. And then I try to teach other people how to do that. Yeah. You're a superhero, Jordan. I mean, really. (laughs) (laughs) Untrue. (laughs) Supervillain, however, maybe. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. We haven't even gotten to the topic that I had proposed to you to even have you on the show. I mean, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes now. I've just been fascinated with what you've been saying so far. But one of the things I did want to talk to you about, because it kind of bridges our two worlds, is uh, the effect that movies right now, especially romantic movies, romantic comedies and things like that, have affected people's perceptions of what an ideal relationship is supposed to look like, how the courting process is supposed to take place. I mean, do you have a lot of guys that come in that have, or or maybe even girls too, that have run into those scenarios and they're just so affected by this world. Yeah. I think a lot of people are really hung up on, and it's not something that you would even readily admit or even notice. It's a lot of a subconscious pattern, right? It's like a guy will come in and be like, well, you know, I just figure that blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what on earth gives you the indication that things would shake out like this? Right. And, and we're all guilty of this. Like every guy thinks they can fuck and fight. And I hope I'm allowed to say stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every guy thinks that. Why? Because in movies, the lead character is like some sort of badass mofo who gets girls and like can beat people up. Well, maybe, you know, you can't get girls, but I bet you somewhere you probably think, man, if that guy ever did anything, man, I'd just be like, bam, bam, bam. And I saw this (laughs) thing and I would do that. No, you would get your ass handed to you and ask anybody that's had their ass handed to them. It's pretty easy to get your ass kicked. It really is. It's really hard to fight. It really is. Even trained fighters usually suck at fighting, especially when they're jumped in the street at one o'clock in the morning with the freaking coffee in their hand. They're usually real shit at it. So, you know, it's really, it's really funny to see people be like, you know what? I'm just going to put myself out there and like, you know, the right girl's going to come to me because everybody gets married. Do the divorce rates like 50%. Stop telling yourself (laughs) everybody gets married. Are your parents happy? Oh wait, your dad's on his third marriage. Probably not a good strategy, you know? And we have this because we're programmed by all this garbage. You know, media tells us that this is going to work out for us. Media tells us that we deserve a hot girl. I'm sorry, but, you know, if you're sitting in your basement getting fat and eating Cheetos and not improving yourself and being really, really weird to people that you meet socially or not socializing at all and you're not working on your career and all these things are out of place, what makes you think an attractive girl is going to want to be a part of your world? She's not going to want to be a part of that. You don't even want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve her. You're not working on yourself. You don't deserve that girl. Absolutely. Stop telling yourself that you do. Or start making the steps toward being a person that would uh, be worthy of that. Exactly. The key is to work on yourself so that you get there. It's not about how do I get the girl. It's how do I make myself the type of guy the girl would want, period. That's all there is to it. Now, there's like a million things that go into that, right? But that's what it's about. It's about improving yourself. Stop looking for the shortcut, the right, the three weird tricks that are going to get you this girl in bed. No, dude. Work on yourself. Guys who work on themselves have so many girls, they don't even know what to do with it. It gets them in trouble. Yeah. See, I think I think I'm one of those guys that works on himself all the time. Like I go to the gym. I uh, do all these different things. I don't know the, the amount of things I feel like as a person, all the stuff I feel like I can do is astronomical. And yet at the same time, when it comes to women, I feel like I have zero skills whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's an easy area to neglect. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's quite. It, you know, and it's, it's a funny thing because it's like guys go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to be good at this, but I'm not because it's part of our ego. But if I said, man, I don't know anything about skydiving. I don't think I could do it. You'd be like, well, have you tried? No. Right. Well, right. That's why, <laughs> you know, but wait a minute. But like, you know, I interact with girls all the time. Oh, do you? When was the last time you did that? Deliberately. Yeah. I mean, you probably like most guys approach two women in their life. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's something like that. It's And I don't know where this study comes from. Could totally be bullshit, right? <laughs> but like, uh, I'm looking at the clients that come in who are normally well-adjusted, cool dudes. Yeah. And I look at all my friends who are really cool dudes. They barely ever approach women. And a lot of them don't have to because they're awesome and like women drip off of them and it's I'm jealous. But like, 
the other t- the other times, like I see really cool guys, and I'm like, all right, so when's the last time you had a date? And I'm thinking they're gonna be like Friday, and they're like, oh man, it's been like three months. And I'm like, you're six three, you're a former model, and you run a restaurant, and you had a date three months ago. Yeah, I'm really busy, and I just don't put you know time and money into it, and I'm like, or effort into it, or money into it, or anything. And I'm like, oh, well. Of course you haven't had a date. You're not, apl- it's like saying, man, I'm really not getting into good shape. Well, when's the last time you went to the gym? Oh, I don't go to the gym. Well, no shit. You're not in shape. Man. <laughs> of course. It's like, it's like this with anything else, except that us guys, we think we got to be really awesome at it because other guys supposedly are just like we think we can fuck. And then we think we can fight. You can't, you can't do it. You haven't trained for it. You're not going to be good at it. Accept it and fix it if you want it fixed. And if you don't stop crying and quit telling yourself that you're going to make it happen when it counts, because you don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall and default to the level of your training. And every special forces guy and intelligence agent in the world knows that. The only people who don't know that are guys who watch too much TV. And that's probably, you know, you, if you think that is. <laughs> it probably is. Um, I, I know I am one of those people that kind of gives the excuse of it's so hard to meet people uh, between the job that I have and the stuff I do on the side and then uh, the age range that I'm within. I know I'm like, well, it's so hard to meet girls and everything. Um, How am I bullshitting myself here? What am I doing? (laughs) You're completely bullshitting yourself. I thought so. I mean, the thing is, it's not instead of saying I don't have time, try telling yourself it's not a priority. And I mean, that goes with your friends, too. If someone's like, hey, man, can you come over on Friday and hang out? Instead of telling yourself, oh, man, I don't have time to do that, say, I don't prioritize that right now. Sure. And it'll change a lot of the ways that you think about stuff because you will find yourself saying, instead of, oh, man, I don't have time to go to the gym, uh, I don't prioritize that right now. Oh, wait a minute. That sucks. Right, I right. Don't, I don't prioritize that. Man, I just don't have time to, like, get groceries and eat right Oh, no, no. You mean you don't prioritize eating right. But look, you had time to read or watch that DVD series. So you prioritize watching DVDs over getting in shape, being healthy and and meeting women. Mm -hmm. Got it. Don't tell me you don't have time. I don't have time for anything either. But somehow I still manage to run a business, learn Chinese, have a girlfriend, You know what I mean? Like all that stuff is prioritized. Sure. So when I miss the gym or I don't run for a couple of days, it's not because, oh, there's just no time. No, I just chose to do other shit instead. Period. Quit lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) I I need, I need to hear it every now and then. I know personally myself, I, um, I feel like I do have like a crumbling social circle these days though. Like all my friends are, uh, married, getting kids, people are kind of falling out of the social scene. And it is like, okay, well, where am I going to go then to meet people? Where am I going to expand this social group? Or do you have recommendations for people like that? Yeah. I mean, guys who, what, can you repeat that? Actually, I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. Yeah. Um, just for people that feel like they're kind of falling behind. I don't know. There is no real, like you have to be at this point by this age or anything, but I know personally myself, I feel like I'm kind of falling behind other people. My friends are all having kids and things like that. They're married. I'm not even dating someone. So I feel like I don't have that support, that social support system, like to go out and meet people at parties because nobody's having parties anymore. I try to have them occasionally, but nobody's available to come because they all have kids. So what would you say to somebody like that or like me? I'm framing it like someone else to make it safe, but yeah, it's really I mean, maybe me. you're falling behind the current group of friends that you have, but it right. doesn't mean that no one your age is in, is in the same position as you. Um, people move at different speeds, so you can't worry about that. I've got plenty of friends who are like 29. They have two kids. I'm 34. I have zero kids. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's easier for me to go, oh my God, I'm falling behind. But then I look at them and I'm like, okay, you, you work for a company. You don't have your own business going. You live in this city or that city. You met your girlfriend in college. Like those are totally different things. That's really great. Like maybe you want that right now for yourself. And if you're working to make that happen, then it's good. The only time that it's a problem is if you're like, oh man, I'm not working towards having kids and I really want them. I'm not working towards having a family and I really want it. I'm not working towards owning a business and I really want to. Then you're in trouble and you need to get off your duff and do it. But if you're just like, "Uh uh-oh, I haven't had kids yet because I'm working on starting this business or whatever. And you go, oh, well, that's okay. I don't do, do you want kids right now? If you do, then you better figure that out. But if you're okay with it, then don't measure yourself by other people's yardstick because that's going to be a big problem. There's always going to be somebody who is further ahead in their business, has more kids, has more free time, travels more. I mean, you just got to prioritize and figure out what you want. Don't worry about what other people want. Absolutely. Uh, Going back to the movie thing, I I thought it'd be interesting to bring up like a certain trope that we see in movies all the time and just get your opinion on it. 
Uh, one of the things they do in a lot of, I guess, like maybe high school, college type movies is they always have the idea that there's that almost like hanger on friend type. A lot of people will call it the friend zone or whatever. But you have this kid uh, that has a girl and he's really into her and she's just not noticing him. And then they progress to the movie and all of a sudden, well, she falls in love with him after all these circumstances, whatever. She didn't realize she was in love with them or some garbage like that. How often is this the real case? Probably okay. not too often, I, right? I, I will leave you with this. Yeah. The Hollywood construction of getting out of the friend zone and having somebody turn around and realize something is completely farcical. And it, the reason that it's done is to give people hope that it can happen. People love that story because it seems like it's going to work out so great, but they're ignoring all of the key factors of what generates attraction and sexual tension. If you're a guy, you know you want to be with a woman within the few, first few seconds that you see her because we're biologically wired. Sure. Women, it takes a little bit longer, but it certainly doesn't take three years. If she's coming out and turning around and going, oh my God, you were there all along, she's settling for you. So gotcha. just know that. And that just rains on everybody's parade, and I'm sorry, but that's the truth. No, absolutely. Women are attracted to certain characteristics. If you build them over time and then she notices, that might work, but it's probably never going to work out. And it's certainly not going to happen unless you're working on yourself. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, what can we promote for you? What, what can we plug? Oh, you know what? You're listening to podcasts already. Go look for the Art of Charm podcast in iTunes. Just search for the Art of Charm subscribe, write me a nice review. That would be amazing. I'm not going to try to sell anybody anything. I mean, we do have our programs in LA. Guys are welcome to check that out and, you know, jump on the phone with me or whatever and get some info on that or look at all that. But honestly, just listen to the podcast. That's, I, I would love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time. Thank you, man. I love doing this stuff. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks again to Jordan for joining us. Like he said, you can go over to the Art of Charm to see everything that he does. And while you're at it, you can see everything we do at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. Please like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration. Follow us at Geek Generation on Twitter and Pinterest. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel, And send your emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. As always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Later. Make it so.